We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. A couple quick notes before we get into the show. Of course, this week, when it rains, it pours. We had microphone issues. We had some audio difficulties. So bear with us. We pumped out the best audio we could get. But we definitely ran into some problems because, of course, that's what happens. Worst week of baseball. Why not run into some podcasting issues at the same time? Second thing, check out the social media accounts uh, later today or tomorrow. There will be all of the pictures and videos from the June 10th event. Excited to release all that stuff so you guys can see it. But definitely check it out and share it. We're going to be planning and announcing another event coming up towards the end of the season. So definitely look out for that. And last but certainly not least... Make sure you go wish Andrew a happy birthday. He is climbing the ranks to become an old man, getting closer and closer, and he tried to sneak this one by. Go wish him a happy birthday. All right, let's get into the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 148. The Yankees just wrapped up the road trip from hell. Scott, 
you think of California, it's nice and sunny, it's going to be a fun trip. That may have been the worst road trip of Yankees baseball I've ever experienced. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It, it's like these guys went over to, to uh, the West Coast and forgot how to play baseball. Pitchers forgot how to pitch. Everybody but Aaron Judge forgot how to hit. And uh, it was just a disaster. All the fans got zero sleep all week for nothing. And <laughs> it was just a disaster all around for everybody. It, it just sucked. And all I want them to do is go back to the go back to New York and get their mojo back because uh, this was a this was a hellacious week of, of baseball. It started out so good too. Aaron Judge winning that game on Monday. That seems like eternity ago, that Aaron Judge home run on Monday in Anaheim. You know, and there's so many opportunities where where this road trip could have been different. That uh, like very small, you know, opportunities within a game. Obviously, you could say this about any any game, you know, along the way. But it it just felt like a lot of these games were extremely winnable, and they couldn't close the door, or you know, they couldn't get the hit with with less than two outs, or just opportunities where they really had good good spots to win, and they didn't. It's just like it seems like every single opportunity for them to either. Let the other team back in and take a lead, or for them to just you know shit the bed and an opportunity to score a run. They 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 took advantage of the of sucking completely all the way around. It was, it was contagious. Yeah. Every bit of bad baseball was contagious between leaving runners on base, the bullpen, absolutely like you said, shitting the bed every night. I mean, between Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday's game, they had leads late in all those games and they blew it. Um, the starting pitchers not being able to go deep in games. Everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, including we already touched on the Sabathia injury on the last episode. But after that, in that Thursday game in Oakland, both Hicks and Sanchez got banged up. Sanchez seems fine. He was back catching on Sunday, but we haven't seen Aaron Hicks since Thursday. And it was his Achilles, which as soon as you see Achilles, I get scared. Well, I think also the Achilles, even if it's like a little bit sore, they're going to be very careful with it because... Once that thing, if that thing ever were to go, I mean, that's a, that's a solid year. I mean, that's a, that's a horrible injury to come back from. And a lot of people don't come back from that full strength. So you're not going to want, you don't want to mess around with a guy like Aaron Hicks, especially who, who's, uh, you know, had this surgence uh, in his career. I think they're going to be very careful with him. But from everything they're saying, they're not putting him on the DL right now. It seems like they're just letting him rest a few days. And, and you know, with the off day on Monday, just a good opportunity for another, to get another day rest. So hopefully well, they're doing... They're doing everything in their power because they're down outfielders at this point between Ellsbury still on the DL. Yep. I mean, this outfield looks a hell of a lot different with Hicks not in there and you got either Mason Williams or Rob Refsnyder in the lineup. Yeah, definitely. And Refsnyder, they even have going into left field where we hadn't seen that before. He's usually either in right or um, you know somewhere in the infield at first base, second base. But he's going over to left field. You're seeing, like you said, Mason Williams in center. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely makeshift right now for sure. We, we, with the way Aaron Hicks is going, we, we absolutely need him back. And, uh, and into that, because it's really, it, when you start seeing some of these guys out of the lineup, it just, it absolutely affects the entire lineup, no matter, uh, even the guys that are still in there because they're not getting the same protection they would if, you know, this, this lineup was at full strength. So it really seeing these injuries, not only just about those guys, but it's also about the guys you hit around them in the lineup that it's affecting. Between the injuries and every bit of the every aspect of the team falling apart, it was like they were challenging each other on how to lose ball games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna boot a ball. You're you're Chris Carter. You're gonna have a ball clank off your glove. Off your glove. Watch me go give up a home run. Oh, you're you're gonna go only go four innings. Watch me go three innings. It's that's how it seemed on this road trip. 
Yeah, and as much as much shit as I want to give Tyler Clippard and just complain about Tyler Clippard, I would have to complain about everybody in the bullpen yep. too because everybody was terrible. There really Good wasn't a, a, a person in there that was great. You know, Batances and now Chapman that's back are pro- probably the only two guys. People were bitching about Girardi's bullpen use uh, all week. And I understand that that Girardi gets criticism. I, I know we have discussed how the eye test does not support that he's, quote-unquote, the best bullpen manager in baseball. But he's certainly middle of the pack or better. Um, and you and I will never hesitate to criticize Girardi. But what's he supposed to do when no matter who he throws out there, whether it's Jason Shreve, uh, Jonathan Holder, if it's uh, Tyler Clippard, they're all getting crushed. Chad Green was getting hit as well. And then Adam Warren has a sore arm and goes on the DL. Other than Batances, everyone sucked. <laughs> what do you do as a manager when no matter who you put in the game, they give up runs? I don't know what you are supposed to do. Go out there and pitch yourself? Yeah. Is that what's going to happen? Brick call in, so call in like uh, Judge because he's got the best arm in the outfield. Maybe he can pitch? Like what is Girardi supposed to do in these situations? Yeah, no, he's got to run his guys out there and just and hope that they can handle it. But, you know, we all know that Girardi is one of these guys that has certain people that he has confidence in and will continue to go back and back to them at certain areas in a game. And when you have Batances, who's your closer, uh, Chapman is done, or he's on the on the shelf at the, at the moment, Warren, who's on the shelf, those are three guys that he has the most trust in by far. I, I For whatever reason, Clippard's probably next on the, on the pecking order, but... That's purely because he's a veteran guy, and Girardi likes his veteran guys. So there's nowhere, there's no confident, there's no confidence in anybody else. So he's just trying to catch lightning a bottle potentially, and and maybe get some uh, some some balls hit at people. But it's it just didn't happen. That's it. The fact that Chapman was on the DL, they kind of were surviving, and they were surviving at home because they bash the ball at home. They score six and a half runs a game at home. So when you score that many runs, your bullpen has a lot of room to work with. But it took until this this road trip where their bullpen was really exposed without Chapman. And think about the Tuesday game, the Wednesday game, Thursday, and even Friday's game. If Chapman is healthy, Batances is in a lot of those situations that Tyler Clippard and Chasen Shreve and Jonathan Holder are blowing, and Batances doesn't blow those games. Yeah, absolutely. And Wednesday they score five runs. Uh, Thursday they scored seven runs. Friday night they score six runs. You got to win those games. And you got to at least win uh, one or two of those games. Yeah. To, to to say that you're scoring that many runs and that the end of the the bullpen is just letting the other team come back every single time you take a lead, it's demoralizing. And you know it's just it just it it, it feeds into the way that the guys uh, approach a, a, at the plate because they they have to be almost too perfect at that point because they have to score a whole bunch of runs and they know that because the bullpen is struggling so badly and the starters are not getting any length then there's a lot more pressure on the bat on the bats to you know produce at a very high level so that they can carry the team it's uh, it's not a good situation I think that's what we saw Saturday and Sunday because the bats did not show up on Saturday and Sunday. But I think we were seeing a product of fatigue. Like, get me the hell off the West Coast at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't blame them. It's terrible. I don't blame them one bit. I mean, like, can we just end this? I'm in the eighth inning. I'm like, can we just end this game now, please? And just leave? Let's just leave. I don't care. How do you, I just want to how go. How do you follow up a six-game homestand? Or excuse me, a six-game winning streak? capping off a tremendous homestand when you scored 16 runs and then like 10 runs against the Baltimore Orioles. You get a dramatic come-from-behind win or late-inning win with Judge's home run in Anaheim. How do you follow that up with six straight losses? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's a 2006. It's like a 2016 Yankees where they have to go back to 500. You just have to find that mean. It's one way or the other. It's a. It's pretty dramatic when you see the two. But like you said, that that winning streak was largely because they were just destroying the ball at, oh a, at a record pace. So it was unbelievable. Yeah. So when you that's obviously not sustainable. But again, the pitching was just extremely lacking in this. But they because they scored enough runs to uh, to win a lot of these games. Hell yeah. They put up four runs in the first inning of Wednesday's game yeah, in Pineda's, Anaheim. Yeah. I, if you're if you're a starting pitcher, Michael Pineda, you go out there. You can't you can't screw that game up immediately. And if Aaron Hicks doesn't rob a grand slam, that's even uglier. Yeah, you're right. And that was a, by the way, that catch was ridiculous. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, the but, if you look at all the angles of that catch, I mean it just gets better and better when you see all the angles. And and credits are those camera guys, man. Or I don't know <laughs> if those are stationary cameras, but those are some sweet ass those were that was a great some great footage of that of that catch. You see sometimes you see quote unquote robbed home runs where the guy might catch it off the top of the wall and you're yeah. like, Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure if that's gonna go yeah. out. No. Hicks was like elbow over the wall his glove was fully over the wall that was definitely a home run yeah that one angle when you see behind the wall you see his glove just dip below the wall and come back up it's pretty sweet uh there was still the best i think the best home run robin catch i can remember and of course i'm drawing a blank on his name he played for texas and he like climbed the wall and like twisted his back around it was a uh, he had a junior at the end of his name and of course i can't remember gary matthews jr yes gary matthews yeah, jr that was a sick that catch. yeah i do remember it yeah but speaking of the Yankees now dropping to 16 and 20 on the road, they have the best home record. I think it's 22 and nine. Uh, there's no better example of home road uh, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mr. Jekyll and, and Hyde is Michael Pineda. <laughs> 46 innings pitched at home, 1.96 ERA, 190 batting average against. On the road, 31 and two thirds innings pitched, 6.25 ERA, and a 321 batting average against. Explain to me how those how that is the same pitcher. I don't know. Someone on Twitter was comparing it to like AJ Burnett, where he was so good at home and just when he goes on the road, just a complete disaster. I don't know how that. I mean, it's the same distance, right? It's the same like mound and and it's the same distance. I'm pretty sure. Who's catching? Do we have a personal catcher situation going on here? <laughs> I don't know. So I, I don't really I don't really get that how he uh, he pitches so well at home in a small ballpark too. To a right field. I mean, there's a lot more. I wouldn't say it's small ballpark, but there are opportunities to for a lot of balls to fly out of the park. You can get some cheap home runs at yeah. Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So it's it's you know when you look at that, it's it's a little bit um, head scratching because you know I'm on the road. I, I don't know which which road um, venues he played in besides what we just saw, but you know I guarantee a lot of them are, are bigger than Yankee Stadium. So I don't know, man. It's, well, a, it's a mental toughness thing again. I, it's something weird in his head. So I figured it out. The, the rotation will be fine. So long as we can give Tanaka six days rest every time. <laughs> we can only start Michael Pineda at home. Uh, Jordan Montgomery needs to face a lot of lefties in a big ballpark. I mean, I guess Severino can pitch against anybody he wants. But it's like these. It's like how many guys are we going to have to have situations where they just flat out can't perform? Seven, Pineda's home road splits were never this dramatic. Where they, I know he had like dramatic game-to-game splits where – and even inning to inning splits, yeah. heck, batter to batter splits. He looked like a different pitcher, but I don't. I, like I'm looking at these numbers, and the like it doesn't compute in my brain. Like my brain, it it doesn't make sense. I I still don't believe that they're this different. Yeah, it, no, it's it's um. We'll talk about the the start with Tanaka later too. But if you're looking at what Tanaka's doing right now, it's almost what Pineda was doing all of last year 
with the the line just looks so strange because the ball is flying out of the ballpark so much, uh, the home run ball, and it, it makes the line look weird because you see, you see the strikeouts, you see the swings and misses, but then you see the ERA, and you're like, how does this happen? Like, I don't understand. It's just like the every single time you leave a ball up, it's getting crushed, and uh, it looks like Pineda's doing that on the road as well. There's now three out of four starts for Pineda that have been bad after yeah. a really, really good stretch. And that's this is scaring me because this is the Pineda that we all know and, and hate. <laughs> the guy that, that just that is mind-boggling, might, has great stuff, and just can't put it together on a consistent basis. I might need to burn the tapes of last week's episode where I put him in the conversation for a wild-card start. Yeah, dude, you're on a freaking streak with, with, <laughs> with uh, jinxing people. I mean, I tell you, it's, it's, a, it's, pretty, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I need to start getting on that reverse jinx. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Let's not don't praise anybody or have any good gut feelings about anybody for the rest of the year, please. So I wasn't duped by by Chase Headley's resurgence in April, and I'm not being duped by his quote unquote resurgence on this road trip, but I was duped by Michael Pineda. Yep, he got you. The, <laughs> he the, totally he totally got me hook line sticker. <laughs> the um his next start's gonna be at home though, so that's good. Yeah, that is positive. At least the, the numbers say it's gonna be positive. But good for Chase Headley. At least you know he's he's coming back to the the middle again because uh, he's not scorching hot. I mean, he just had a he had a good streak. It's not like he was on fire a la Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez when they he was um, when they were on had, fire. T- he had a hit today, right on Sunday. So he had ten hits on the road trip. Yeah, so good more for than him. more than most people. No, here's definitely. the thing though about Chase Headley. His overall batting average is about like two fifty something right now. Yeah, and that's three fifty in April like 150 in May and then it's back up to like 300 in June. Yeah. If he just hit 255 each of those months, people would kind of just ignore him and let him be. <laughs> yeah, well he's just he would just be another white guy then. He's just like another just another <laughs> dude. But it's almost like the Pineda home and road splits. I mean, it's it's, it's his, his months. Did Chase Headley's barber leave town for the month of May? That's what I know. I'm uh, this is what I was saying. I think he went back to the West Coast, got that got that sweet tan back, got that Got that blowout in the hair, yeah. You know, got that sweet fade, and now he's, you know, he was, uh, he was good. So I don't know what's going to happen when he comes back, though. Hopefully, it, hopefully the tan stays, or he fakes and bakes, or whatever. Keep that confidence up, Chase. There was a mini meltdown of Yankee fans on Twitter on Saturday night when the news notification came through that Gleyber Torres left the game with an injury, and at that very moment, Chase Headley was able to relax in the in the dugout. Yeah, that's that's but, not good. When the when the injuries are no longer even confined to the major league squad, you know it's just a, a road trip from hell. Get get the hell off the road. I mean, but, it's it's unbelievable when you <laughs> just when you look up and down what happened on this road trip from the injuries to the losses to it was just everything was terrible. There's nothing the positive. <laughs> yeah, nothing positive. Uh, and with Sabathia now officially on the DL, that puts a gigantic pun intended, hole in that starting rotation. Yeah, it doesn't seem like... If you listen to CeCe Sabathia's mom, who someone was interviewed, or someone uh, had talked to her outside the clubhouse at one point, she said that CeCe will be back in two weeks. That's it. He's two weeks and he'll be back. So if you listen to uh, to Mrs. Sabathia, it's going to be a, a short little stint. Because from what he's saying, too, it doesn't seem like it's a bad injury. They're just make, They're just making sure they're careful with it. So he was home in Oakland. Maybe he stayed with his parents. Yeah. Stay with his mom in Oakland. Maybe she slipped something in his in his uh, in his cornflakes in the morning, or no, Captain Crunch in the morning. You no, know, saying he'll be back sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. Uh, Thursday's game in Oakland, they lost in ten innings. It was the second extra inning game on this road trip that they lost, which is just brutal. 
Sonny Gray, they totally let Sonny Gray off the hook in the first inning when they left the bases loaded with one out. And that's that's the type of thing when you're going bad that that kind of stuff bites you in the ass. And that's good. That's how you lose ball games when you, you fail on little opportunities like that. They still put up seven runs and Gary Sanchez was the entire offense on Thursday night. But you can't let a good pitcher like Sonny Gray off the hook. No, when he when he starts he's sort of walking guys, and when that happens, you got to make him pay for that stuff. And they didn't. You're right. And once a guy who's as talented as Sonny Gray gets uh, you know a couple lucky breaks and uses that momentum, and then all of a sudden you start seeing the talent went out, and you know those lucky breaks are now coming back to haunt you because now he's got his good stuff. He's settled into the game, and uh, and, and he becomes a, a much bigger problem. I mean, they ended up hitting getting to him a little bit later, but. It could have been a much different game. You're right after that first inning if it went, if it went the right way. They got four runs off of him, which for a pitcher like Sonny Gray, you can't really you can't blame the offense when no. you get four runs off Sonny Gray. The problem is they, like I said, they missed the opportunity, so it could have been a lot worse. They could have gotten into that Oakland bullpen earlier. They didn't, but they ended up taking the lead in the sixth inning. Or excuse me, they tied the game in the sixth inning, and then immediately Montgomery, I think it was the first pitch of the sixth inning, gives up a solo shot. Yeah, it seems like this has been the trend, though. You know, they get back into the game, they take the lead, dagger. the bullpen gives it this right back up, right back up. Yeah, and and it happens multiple times on this trip. So they just got to keep fighting. That was the that was the problem. That the offense had to keep fighting, and to their credit, they did. They kept they coming did. back. That's that's that's. So I, let me let me take that back about zero positives on this road trip. Let's let's talk about the one positive that there we could potentially take out of this is that this team is still that res, that all, the offense is still a resilient offense and they never they never quit. These guys keep coming back and keep coming back no matter if the if the lineup it doesn't matter who's in that lineup. I mean even with that Bizarro lineup we saw on what was that Friday that they still put Friday, up runs. Friday, what did you think of that? Ref it, Snyder leading off, Chris was, Carter batting. It was fifth. strange. I definitely did a double take. I'm like, there's this is yeah. it. this is there's no way this is right. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was a strange lineup. Very. How strange. does your boy Ref Snyder go from not even getting any playing time to being in in the batting order leading off? <laughs> uh, circumstance. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, everybody. Everybody was uh, was on the shelf. It's nobody was playing. And the fact that Ref Snyder is at the top playing was he playing left field at that point? It's he was because it was strange. a lefty on the mound. But yeah. I think Girardi's overthinking at that point because you're taking Brett Gardner out of the lineup at that point. And I'm sorry, when you've got all of these injuries, don't take Brett Gardner out of the lineup. He can hit left-handed pitching good enough, probably better than Rob Refsnyder at this point. Yeah. yeah. He I think every- it's a little bit of overthinking at that point. And Didi didn't play in that game either, right? Didi was, was held out in that game, if I'm not mistaken, because yeah, I think Torres was playing short. short. So yeah. I don't really get that. I mean, you got Severino, who's probably your best option to win on the road at that point. Don't you want to throw your bullets, what you have, at that game and try to win that game You know, and, and hope that Severino can be that guy? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Especially when you've got Hicks and Sanchez out of the lineup. And you have a losing streak. So that that is one one of the big question marks I think that Girardi you know would uh that that I would I would question him on is is just the the overall that game I I feel like was a was a badly managed game, a badly pitched game, a bad look, there's nobody safe from criticism on this on this West Coast trip. Everybody sucked, including Girardi. Severino, I really had a good feeling about him going to that game. I thought he was going to be the stopper. Yeah, well, he he settled down. To his credit, he gave up early runs, and then he battled back. I thought he was going to be out of the game in the third, fourth inning. And well, he was up to 96 pitches yeah. 
uh, I think it was 96 pitches like to start the fifth inning. Yeah, so what he got through six, right? I mean, he yeah. he really did, and you could tell that he was amped up and uh, towards the end of that that he was ready to go. And I think he ended up throwing what close to 110 pitches. It was it was yeah. up there, and so I look, I like that stuff. I like seeing him battle through adversity and and still show that even if he doesn't have his best stuff or if he gets knocked up early, that he can go out there and still give a little bit of depth and fight back, give the opportunity to the offense to come back in the game. So. Again, looking exactly. looking for positives and, and because searching for them. That's one. I think this is a good good topic to talk about. Both Tanaka and Severino failed to do their job, which was win the game and stop a losing streak. However, if you just look at what happened in those games, neither pitcher had their, their A stuff. Severino was able to battle and actually give his team a chance, whereas Tanaka only gave him four innings. Yeah. And that's a problem. And maybe, I mean, I know some people may have said, like, well, look, he had 10 strikeouts, so clearly he he was fooling the hitters. He just, he gave up three home runs. He just left pitches up, which is obviously his fault. He was leaving meatballs in the middle of the plate. But a lot of people said, well, why did Girardi pull him so early? Because you could see that he was going to continue to leave balls up, and he was going to give up another home run if he went back out there. I mean, how about first pitch of the game? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so ridiculous. I can't I thought, even get comfortable in your seat and like watch a game, and all of a sudden your team is dead. That's the type of shit that that demoralizes you. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was bad. Then he comes and strikes out the side. See, like to me, he's turning into Michael Pineda. It's it's ridiculous. This is what I was talking about earlier. Bad. When but you bad. start seeing the the ten strikeouts uh, and. The 10 strikeouts and three home runs and four innings pitch. You're like, how does that even happen? How do you give up that many runs, still strike out 10 people, and only go... It's just, it's so weird. It's such a strange line, especially from a guy like Tanaka that uh, against a team like Oakland. And I guess if you look at Oakland's lineup, it's it's uh, like a whole bunch of Chris Carters, I think what we mm-hmm. referred to before. It's home run or strikeout. And so it makes sense to that point. But I don't know. For a guy like that, that's just... It's just ridiculous. He's not getting any of the ground balls on the sinker. He's not getting any. It's just a uh, man. I don't. I don't. It's 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 really really tough to watch him pitch uh, when he's giving up the home run ball like that. It's it's freaking terrible. He kind of had some momentum coming off Monday's start too. It was a perfect opportunity. He had a big ballpark against the freaking Oakland A's that strike out a ton. Obviously, we saw that they struck out ten times in four innings against them. But then but then he makes the mistakes up in the zone and they just hammer it. So. It was a perfect opportunity for to, for him to string two starts together and to get some momentum to come back home and really you know start his season finally. And he was uh, he on just completely he blew it. He was on four days rest, so he pitched on the fifth day because the team needed him. You're paying this guy twenty four million dollars. You need him to go out there and actually be your stopper. I tell you though, I'm also surprised by this. I was surprised that one they had talked about the fact that if uh, if Tanaka had or I'm sorry if uh, Severino had gotten to a certain point that they were calling up Sessa and he was going to start on Saturday so that Tanaka could start on Sunday. And I thought that was the plan. I thought that was going to be, especially once I saw Severino go six, I think Sessa got up at some point on that Friday game. I don't, he didn't come in the game, but he got up to throw. Like I want to say it was in the in the eighth or the ninth inning. But he was there ready to go. I'm surprised that they didn't start Sessa on Saturday and 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 have Tanaka throw on, on Sunday so that he could have that extra day. I, I am surprised that they didn't do that. They, I think they wanted to stop a losing streak. Yeah, but they know what the, they're messing with fire at this point. When you well, know, when you're when you're deciding between Luis Sessa and Masahiro Tanaka, right? I mean, that's an easy call. Is it? Is it? it should be. Is it, it now? Be it's not right now. So you would have started Sessa. 
I would have started. I would have started Sessa on Saturday just so I could get Tanaka right again. I'm just trying to get him right at this point. And right, if, that, yeah, if that's giving him an extra day to get him right, then then you know to get that confidence up because I do believe it's it's an execution confidence thing, and I think it's important that he does do well and they put him in in areas to succeed at this point. Yes, yes, well, I'm saying we have to coddle our number one pitcher. Yes. Well, big 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 picture. Tanaka pitching well for the rest of the season is more important than winning a single game in Oakland in June. Absolutely. Exactly. That's exactly why. And, and, and if you're going to throw Sessa anyway at one of the two games, why not give Tanaka the benefit of, the, of, of that extra day? Why not? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that, say, I mean, they ended up losing both games, so it's really a moot point. But if you just reverse the situations and Sessa went out there on Saturday and did the exact same thing where he gave up four runs in five innings or whatever it was, I think Girardi would have gotten criticized. Uh, maybe, but Chad Green was ready to go too. I mean, they had a, they pretty much had Sessa and Green in there to, to combine for a start. That's They were ready to go with that. And You've got you've to be treating – Girardi and the whole team needs to be treating that Saturday and Sunday game like it's – like we've, if we're serious about making the playoffs this year, we've got to go out and win these two games. Yeah, especially if you're losing Saturday, you gotta. You eventually you need can't to get motivate swept themselves. by the Oakland A's. You need to. You need to. Like they, they needed to motivate themselves, and I saw nothing from them on Saturday and Sunday. They looked like a dead team. They looked like the first half of last year Yankees sleepwalking. Yeah, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look. So <laughs> a, let's get the hell off the West Coast. They're coming back home, so they'll probably bash the ball again. Who I knows? hope so. They need to. They this need team to. has a short memory. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. So I'm going to have a short memory, too, and just forget about this West Coast trip. I'm going to forget that it ever happened because I think that's what I do every year. And just the West Coast doesn't exist to me because every time the Yankees go out there, they suck. This, yeah, I, was, I think I saw you tweeting about that. The Yankees have not had a good West Coast trip in like 20 years. Yeah, someone said the last one was or below 500. Yeah, 94, I think, was the last one there. So it was nine and one. And uh, oh, the, the strike season, the awesome. strike season. Yeah, so that's what I said. Curse of the strike. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about from this from this uh, horrible seven game road trip? No, honestly, I think every one of us should just put this in our rearview mirror, move on, and uh, hope hopefully none of this. None of this horrible baseball lingers into into the uh, the players and into New York because we need uh, we need them to get back right and and some home cooking I think is the is the right thing for hopefully they can feast on some uh, some angel pitching. Well, I got to tell you, my dad. I was home for Father's Day this weekend. My dad was not happy with the Yankees. It yeah. ruined his Father's Day weekend, and he's predicting by the All Star break the Yankees will be tied for last place with the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh man, I wonder where you've got your uh, your 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 positivity, your positive outlook. Now it all it's makes so sense. funny because when I come home and I and I just hear my dad rip into the team, uh, I start to defend the other side, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, now I know where Scott's coming from. <laughs> because I mean, I I my dad was half joking but at the same time when when you're looking at this team the deficiencies really really were clear on this road trip so they were but Let's, at the same time there's a, there were a lot of there were a lot of things that that supported that and that went into that as far as injuries and um they weren't hitting not the, the whole team wasn't hitting i don't know i think this too this team is too good at home and they have too much firepower offensively to to go into these really long i honestly didn't think a six game losing streak was was in the cards but I guess it is. I guess it's, uh, you know, nothing is nothing is out of the way. Nothing is out of the question. But when you go home and you mash the ball like they do, you know, I, I don't know. I think they'll be fine. My one takeaway, if I have to do one takeaway from this week, it's that they need 
they need better starting pitching. They need to do something about their starting rotation. Yeah, because you think the bullpen will be a lot better once Chapman be and Batantis. Yeah, and that's a big deal. Like having those two dominant guys at the back uh, rather than just one is such a big deal. And hopefully Girardi does use the, the Batantis as the fire extinguisher. I thought it was funny that, that Chapman came in in a one-run game in the eighth inning tonight, by the well, way. Well, before the game, uh, Girardi said he's pitching no matter what. Yeah. Well, they flew him all the way out there. I know, which is another thing. Like, why? They obviously they 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 saw well, the importance of the winning of that bullpen. game. Yeah, but I mean, it's not only that. I mean, look at the rest of the bullpen. They were absolutely toast. Yeah, but I don't know. It was just interesting seeing him in the eighth inning. Like, oh, here here's a guy that's in the eighth inning. Weird. You know what would have been been hilariously ironic, which I was hoping for more than just, hoping it would happen for a few reasons. If the Yankees had come back and took the lead in the ninth inning on Sunday, but Tansis would have would have been the closer. Yeah, with Chapman still still having pitched, that would have just been right up. Randy take that, Lester's Randy. Sister. Take yeah. that, Randy. All right, guys, before we get into mailbags, take a second and rate and review the podcast in iTunes. We're up over 300 ratings, which is awesome to see. I love reading them. I know Scott loves reading them. People who may be searching for Yankees in iTunes also loves reading them. It really helps us out. We cannot stress it enough. Take a second. Go, go give us that five-star review. It, it uh, Again, really, we really appreciate it. All right, first mailbag question is from Stephen Costanza, and I have a feeling that's not his real last name. I read the article on Bronx pinstripes about trading for Hosmer. Dude is a beast, but what are some other, let's say, cheaper options at first the Yankees could trade for? Also, what are your thoughts on a Yonder Alonso trade instead of Hosmer? Yonder Alonso is kind of like the the uh, the talk of the town after we were out in Oakland. Yeah, he's he has a. I think they've been expecting a big year from this guy for a long time, and he it, he was credited, or uh, he was crediting Carlos Beltran actually for helping him out. I think they're both. Um, Puerto Rico guys, and from what I... They train in the offseason? Yeah, they train in the off, Well, I think also Beltran was actually giving him... I think it was, we were talking about this with somebody, or I heard it on a broadcast at some point, that um, that he was actually giving him tips before they played, like a series before they played, and then all of a sudden he's, See, using, it, he's using it against Houston. See, this is the type of shit that I hate. This did <laughs> not happen 20 years ago. What the the camaraderie or the helping of yeah, each other like out? Yeah, like the buddy buddy helping each other out. Like I'm not saying you have to absolutely hate every one of your opponents, but let's just not go and help the other team win. Well, I don't know. I think I think there are some. I think when you're when you have the WBC also, and they they were all together on Team Puerto Rico. So there's there's other camaraderie that goes there. And if you know if your buddy who's on another team from your from your uh, your country's team. You know, asks you for some tips, and you're working with an offseason. I mean, is Carlos Beltran going to say no to that? Probably not. I right. don't know. I, I, I see what you're well, saying because I, I don't like. I hate the 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 buddy buddy stuff. I can't stand it, but I, I see it in some areas, and I I get it. I guess I just don't like to hear about it. That's the one thing I just don't want to hear about it. Can we just keep the shit between you? Like, don't yep. talk about it. Fans want the illusion that this is life yeah. or death, death for the players, exactly. like it is for the fans. I don't think that's too difficult. Just keep just it behind closed doors. Just lie to us. Continue lying to me. Yeah, much better. Um. Greg Bird had a setback. Uh, he had a CAT scan on his ankle again. Apparently, the bone bruise is gone, but he's still going to see the same doctor who operated on Derek Jeter's ankle back in 2013. And apparently, he also had an MRI on his knee because he fouled the ball off his knee in AAA on his rehab. He's having a terrible rehab. He's batting under under 200. This is getting. I'm really getting nervous about Greg Bird that he's cursed. And I think <laughs> between the two of us and our listeners. Somebody may have cursed him. 
Between what did I do? I didn't do anything. You allowed it to happen. Oh please! I, you I, sat next to me on that couch in Tampa. <laughs> you allowed me to call him the MVP. I cannot. I cannot be responsible that, for the things that come out of your mouth. Yes. The, the, you have to be. The, what was that? Seven beers deep at that point. You you can't get me drunk and put me on a podcast. <laughs> Look, it's a problem. The fact that this is still an issue, and I mean, what is he hitting the same spot uh, with another foul ball? Like this it's is like to, this is way too sh- this is way too Teixeira like. Uh, okay. I don't know what Teixeira did. If he put something in the locker, if he's in there, like, can we move him to the opposite side of the locker room now? Or I don't know. There's some somebody, bad juju going on. Somebody compared him to Nick Johnson on Twitter. Yeah, that's a bad comparison. I mean, and not not that it's a bad comparison. I'm saying it's a bad person to be compared to. Yeah, injury. I mean, Nick Johnson was absolutely plagued by injuries. Yeah, he was the next Don Mattingly, I and mean, he was supposed to be the guy, and it just yep. it just never happened. And Greg Bird, I, you know, maybe it's that stupid cat that that cat <laughs> that nobody could trust that's that's putting a horrible hex on him. Can we do something about this cat? I'm not going to say anything terrible about the well, things I, I really if, like. If you have do. to pick one thing that cursed him between me calling him the MVP and and his hairless cat, I would say the cat has more to do with it. Yeah, than that me cat just looks MVP. evil. I don't trust that cat at all. That cat's, I think it's somebody reincarnated in that cat and it's just completely given him some voodoo, voodoo curses. I, it needs to go. It needs to stay. I, hopefully it's not on the road with him. I don't know what it's doing, but we're getting, get though, we're getting to the point where we might not see Greg Bird until after the All-Star break. No, it's true because they're going to now treat this like it's, it's uh, I mean, I guess it's been lingering and lingering and lingering and well, it's, it's so deep. Well, so is it a setback or is it still? Rehab. Yeah, he's do- he's not rehabbing right now. He's letting the knee heal, right? And then he's gonna have to rehab again. So it's like he keeps taking one step forward, two step back. But my point is, is it a setback or has it just been a problem still? And he just wasn't. He was like, ah, it's not really hurting, but it was still hurting him the entire time because these bone bruises. Can you you can't see them? It's not like it's something that can really an be MRI seen shows it. Does it an MRI show? A cat scan. He had a cat scan to see if he had the bone bruise. That's what a cat a cat scan can show. Okay. I need to throw his freaking hairless cat in that scan. <laughs> the cat scans, though, I mean, that's not something that they're getting every day. You know what I mean? So it's like they're getting it now that it's be still a problem. So I don't know if it ever went away. Or if can I be honest with you? It's just something I don't have horrible. a damn clue what a cat scan is. Yeah. Well, obviously it detects bruises and bones. I don't know. It shows <laughs> irregular patterns of blood in a book. Bo- I don't know. I'm making things up as a... But look, the bottom line is, it's a problem. He's not fully healthy, and he should be healthy by now. A bone bruise should not linger this long. So, I, I don't know what's I don't know what the deal is with his bones. Drink some milk. Yeah. So Tyler Austin has been rehabbing and he has been playing well. Twenty five games between Trenton and Scranton, he's batting three thirty with eleven doubles and one home run. To me, that's that's good enough to be called up and and put him at first base. But I saw some tweets from Meredith over the weekend. She said the Yankees view both Austin and Carter as guys who can only play first base and they don't need two on the roster. The Yankees like the versatility of Ref Snyder, who can play first, second and corner outfield positions because they are down with a, they're down an outfielder with Ellsbury and also now Hicks. I, I was like speechless when I read that. See, the problem is. You look at Chris Carter is starting to fall into these these home runs that we've seen on his, the back of his baseball card, and you start looking at we know the batting average is what it is because that's what he's a low two hundred guy he's always been that guy he always strikes out a ton and then now we're starting to see him fall into these th- th- here's the problem he was never supposed to be a full time guy 
he was supposed to be a backup first baseman. Now he's our, our, our full-time guy. We're seeing him every day. We're seeing what a terrible baseball player he is and that how he just you know runs into these home runs occasionally. And it's so frustrating to watch because you see a guy like Tyler Austin where we've seen him come up before. And I, I, I see what they're saying about he's only a first baseman, but that's just... He does play outfield. Uh, we saw Chris Carter at right field at one point last two weeks ago, right? Or last weekend. So Yeah. But Tyler Austin's a guy that's going to give better at-bats, in my opinion. Um, he's a, a younger guy that, that, that could just, I don't know, fit into this team better. Is the problem right annoying. now the $3 million? That's annoying. That's the bottom line. So the $3 million? Or this is a depth uh, move? Because if you I mean, get rid of Chris Carter and Tyler Austin sucks, then when do you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think right now um, Cashman is probably playing it safe because, like you said, if you DFA Carter, uh, although I don't see who would pick him up, but you DFA Carter and you call Tyler Austin up and he has a setback, then you're screwed. Yeah. But what's James if, Loney doing? Is he around? We're he, just, <laughs> yeah, he's usually floating around somewhere. I have no idea. I legitimately down. don't. Is he playing? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but if we're, if we're just deciding between Tyler Austin and Chris Carter, it's an easy choice. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. What's Billy Butler doing? He's is uh, country home fried breakfast or whatever the hell his name is was. He in Japan. I don't know where he is. Again, this is two guys that I don't know where they are. What about Ryan I, Howard? Ryan I Howard's Google still search. playing ball, right? I did a Google search on Billy Butler like a couple weeks ago, and I like it's like he's erased from the internet. But I mean, damn, he would look pretty good right now. Yeah, he would. That that guy can hit. I mean, and he could play first base a little bit. So I don't know. There's if you're looking at what we have, and then you go out on to see what's on the couch right now. I bet you could find a lot of the same guy. You know what I mean? There's probably a lot of that. The the guy who can play first base decently with with a decent glove is Doug McCavitt still playing baseball? We could find that, and then you know <laughs> John Olerud. Yeah, there's a couple of these guys that we could uh, that we could we could filter in there. Worst case scenario. So hey, we uh, saw Tino at at the uh, Dynasty event last last August. Looking he pretty good. In game shape. Looking pretty good. If if Chris Carter is the one that that sort of derails Tyler Austin's Yankees career, that that sucks. Yeah, I just don't I don't know how much confidence they really have in Tyler Austin. I feel like this is also playing to what they think about him as a player. Well, and what do they think? I don't I don't think they think much of him honestly because if they did, I feel like this is just such a perfect opportunity for him to come in and play. And I understand now we're looking at to me now because of what happened on the West Coast and the injuries in the outfield, it makes Refsider actually more valuable because of that defensiveness. And if they're not considering Tyler Austin it's as... beautiful irony. Yeah, as a, right? As a guy who could go out and play a corner outfield spot, then I, I guess I understand that. But if that's... But I, I guess I don't know why they're, they, they say that he can't play the outfield. It's like, it's like they have them saying that Refsider couldn't play second base when he was fully capable of playing second base. So part of me also reading this these tweets from Meredith says that say Ellsbury and Hicks are both healthy, they don't need Ref Snyder anymore. Right. Then they may have more confidence in calling up Tyler Austin and and getting rid of Chris Carter. If if they are both healthy, if Hicks and Ellsbury are both in there and they're both uh, healthy and playing, and Ref Snyder's on the team, then take that as a complete knock on Tyler Austin's stock as a Yankee. Completely. <laughs> So we took the really long route to get to this, but uh, Eric Hosmer rumors kind of floating around. Uh, he's a rental player right now. The Royals do not look like they're going to be contending this year. They don't know if they're going to be able to re-sign him. Probably not. He's at least going to test free agency. So do you think that's an actual realistic possibility? I just don't think that the Yankees are going to be going out and trying to you know, get a mercenary for one year. I don't think that's the – I mean, if you look at what's what's going on, Everybody, including Cashman, has stayed the course of this 
this rebuild, staying with the youth, staying with these guys. I just don't see them going out and giving up much for a guy like Hosmer to try to win right now. I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, does does bringing in Eric Hosmer or Yonder Alonso, who also uh, Steven mentioned, um, really, what does that really do for you? It, that, well, like, like, it, it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on something that isn't really the problem of this team right now. That, no, it's true. I mean, first base production is an issue, but it's an issue. But it, it's it's I not a it's, it's not one of the biggest issues by far. No, no. I mean, their offense has been one of the best in the league with nothing from first base. I think they could get better production out of first base, obviously, with guys even in their minor league system. Regardless, even if you stay with Chris Carter for the rest of the season, starting pitching and even bullpen depth, I would put above the first base issue. 100%. I, I think that's where we're looking. We're not. I don't think that they're really going to go out and find, at the trade deadline, do anything with a position player, honestly. If it's first base, it's going to be a very small move. It's not going to be anything that's groundbreaking. It's not going to have any major prospect in it. It's going to be a you know a, a B level prospect, and and you know could be a guy that that hopefully uh, like a rebound type thing. You know what I mean? It's not not any like a Matt Reynolds or a yeah Matt Reynolds or Mark Reynolds. Sorry, somebody, somebody like that. <laughs> Dude, he's having a great season. He for is. Colorado. He's had a couple of good years, and uh, but so obviously Colorado. But I'm saying that type of player. That's the kind of guy I could see them going out and getting and not really giving up much. So our guy RJ loved uh Yeah, Mark he Reynolds. does. Well, we be, we had called for Mark Reynolds for a while when Teixeira was doing absolutely nothing and Reynolds is out there just hitting bombs whatever team he's on, Milwaukee or Colorado or wherever the hell he is, but he's um but a guy like that I could see them going after. Hosmer to me is going to be too much. Yonder Alonso is interesting because he's a younger guy and could fit more in that long-term puzzle, but then you're giving up really on Greg Bird and and you're just kind of you're, you're saying okay, he's not in our future. Alonso if they were to go out and get him, which would be more a lot more expensive um, than than you know to me that's more of a future move too. So both Alonzo and Hosmer are free agents after this season. Yeah, so that's a it's Alonzo will cost. Let's more put it too. this way: they wouldn't cost. I don't think either of them would cost a top a top three prospect in their system. Well, like I was saying, I tweeted this out too. I'm hoping that Cashman was in Oakland throwing it back with Billy Bean so that we could expose that son of a bitch as a terrible GM he is and go out and get me Alonzo, get me Sonny Gray, and give him Dustin Fowler and Jorge Mateo. Done deal. Let's go. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's been fleeced once. Why can't he be fleeced again? Yeah, let's fleece him again. Let's do it. How about this solution? So I was, I was actually talking with my dad this weekend about this. Once Gleyber Torres is ready, you call him up and you put him at third base and you use a combination of Chase Headley and Tyler Austin at first base. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I think they should have experimented with Headley at first base uh, long ago. I think that's something that we need to see. I mean, the guy has problems throwing the damn ball. He obviously doesn't have that, minus the, the char- slow charger, the slow uh, dribblers. He usually gloves the ball when it's hit to him or, you know, it hits to either side. I, I think that's a... I think it's a natural fit for Headley, in all honesty. I think he could well, go over there. You don't see the power from him like you want to from a first baseman, but it seems like he could play defense. Yeah, I, I just think him combined with somebody else is, is a better option than Chris Carter. Yeah, I just don't want to see Carter. I'm sick of looking at Chris Carter, in all honesty. <laughs> I, I really I can't handle looking at him. His face is bothering me. His swing is bothering me. Everything about him is just pissing me off. Well, yeah, we kind of touched on it, but uh, I think if the Yankees are buyers, which – it seems like they are going to potentially be buyers. They're not going to be sellers at this trade deadline. But no. if they're buyers, they're not buying first base help. I think they're buying starting pitching somehow, somehow, some way. It might be another um, like, you know, I mean, Cashman's had some good moves. Like think about Brandon McCarthy a couple right. of years ago. Right. 
Well, you can sort of pick somebody out of nowhere that you might think is is a nothing move, but it turns out to actually be value. And, and if there's, you know, aside from a free fall and the Yankees are still in this come September call-ups, I mean, the offensive side of the ball is still going to be getting better when we have September call-ups because there's a lot of guys who can still contribute down the, down in the minor leagues. Uh, another guy that we haven't really mentioned in this in this show is Chance Adams. Like that's a guy who's down there. I know they want to get him more seasoning, but there are there are guys in the minor leagues that you know that have some ability and can come up. I think Chance Adams is a is a wild card. I think he could be a guy that if if he were to come up on the scene and and pitch well, I mean that's a game changer right there. So we have a potential game changer as a starting pitcher in AAA. We have a slew of uh, position guys down there. So. You know, fixing problems within is not out of the, the realm of possibility at this point. Whatever, man. If I get called up, I get called up. It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> all right. What do we have next for the mailbags? Next is from Zach Waters. He said, uh, "Do you did you guys know that as of Friday morning, the Yankees have not been shut out in the 2017 season? Only the Nationals and Twins can still claim this for the season. Last year, the Pirates were the same team standing I'm sorry, with the last team standing and their streak ended on June 17th. Only the 1932 Yankees have gone an entire season without being shut out, 154 games at that point. Assuming I didn't jinx this streak by sending in the <laughs> mailbag, how long do you think this potent offense could keep the streak up? Hell, if they got through these last couple games when they looked like they were sleepwalking without getting shut out, I think it could go for a long time because one thing about this team, even when they are looking bad, they'll still hit the solo home run out of nowhere. Yeah, there's just so many guys that, that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And and to say that uh, you jinx it with this, you didn't. But this is also this was the first time that the Yankees got swept all season, and I believe they were the last team standing on getting swept for the season. So one streak did come to an end. Uh, so this is the, uh, the the standing streak still. And no, I I, I mean, I think it's going to happen. Uh, there's, I don't think there's possible really an entire season of, of getting um, not, not getting shut out. That's crazy to me. Like everybody on one day is going to have a bad day and you're going to run into just a scorching hot pitcher at some point. Chris Sale at right. some point will probably pitch a shutout against the Yankees. Right. And if you get shut out by Chris Sale, you tip your cap. Yeah. But when – how do you even say his name? The, the pitcher Cotton. What's his first name? Jarhad? I have no idea. Jarad. Yeah. I have no idea. Jarad. When if he would have shut you out, then you're kind of like, all right, come on, what's going on? I mean, he almost he was he had a no hitter through he was six. Dealing. He had he was a no hitter through six when he when he pitched against us at Yankee Stadium. And the Oakland Penn shut the Yankees down this this weekend. We made the Oakland A's look like a legitimate team. They just fired their bullpen or their pitching coach a couple days ago, and like did a whole shuffle of people in their team because they were sucking so terribly. And then the New York Yankees come in as the freaking. Uh, the beasts of the East, this this like behemoth lineup, and they just suck. It's 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 uh it's the most ridiculous thing that you could ever see. Uh, the last place, uh, their last place, I assume, the Oakland A's coming in and just sweeping the the juggernaut Yankees at that point. It's just that's baseball, Susan. Perfect. Well, Zach, you didn't jinx it because we just read it. So if they get shut out on Tuesday against Anaheim, then you definitely jinxed it. Or maybe we jinxed it by reading it. It's too many jinxes going on in this podcast. So let's end it. Guys, we got voicemails coming up. So call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. Leave a quick take, question, message, whatever it is. We've been playing them at the end of the episodes, and it's been really fun. Also follow us on Twitter at Yankees Podcast, at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and at Scott Reinen. Scott. Are you going to enjoy the day off on Monday? Because I know I am. I'm going to very much enjoy it. I think everybody, I think all of us need a breather. We all need to just kind of reset everything and, and come back to Tuesday 
and uh, get these bats going again and start start over. Let's just forget about the West Coast. This did not exist. All right, guys, we'll talk to you in a few days and enjoy these voicemails. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. For anyone that was watching the game versus the Warriors on Saturday, um, does anybody remember when the Yankees were up two touchdowns and Chris Carter tried to leg out a double to second? And looked like one of the people trying to run around the field in a fucking mascot costume during the seventh inning stretch. He throws fucking slow. I'm positive I could beat him in a race of any distance in flip flops. Whether it be a mile or whether it be 40 yards, somebody make it happen. I want to publicly embarrass him. Well, last time I called, I ripped in the taco pretty bad, and I just watched the Angels game last night. Now I feel pretty bad. Hope he turns it around. He looked great last night. Judge continues to be the best thing that's ever happened to me since. Probably the 09 World Series, so things are looking great, looking up. I just can't fucking get over this. Like, how is Tanaka pitching this bad this year? Like, out of nowhere, just out of the blue. Pun intended, I guess, because we're wearing blue today. But seriously, first pitch home run? Come on, man. Send him down to the minors for once and get it over with. Holy fuck. My man, Chase Headley is back. Fresh new haircut, he is back. That boy's raking. Now, if only we could get him to throw across the diamond. Did Chase Headley just accidentally hit the ball in a clutch moment? What the hell is going on? Yo, Andrew from Ellis Kitchen. You know, for all those people who are giving shout-outs to Pedro, fixing Luis Severino, how about a shout-out to uh, Tori Hunter and Rod Carew for fixing Aaron Hicks? Also, uh, Michael K. show interview that I saw the other day. Brian Cashman actually said that Carter is the best first baseman on the major league level. Really? I love Cashman, but that's delusional. You have a guy in Tyler Austin who's hitting over 300 in the minor leagues, uh, healthy, has experience up here, opposite field power, we already know this. So why the fuck isn't he up? Hey guys, this is Cherish from Philly. Sorry we missed the event, it sounded fantastic. All my husband hears is Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge. I'm sorry, but the Phillies suck and the Yankees have real stars. Gentlemen, Jordan from New Jersey. I'm trying to keep things in perspective here, okay? I know we're not even halfway through the season. But are you kidding me? This lineup, this team, these players, I'm talking not one, not two, not three, not four. Let's go, Yankees World Series champion. Let's bring it back, baby. So I just left the shitty Oakland Coliseum. Finally, finally got our sweep. We guys have what? We play eight games. Our guys are tired. You know what? We'll be back. I am done with this West Coast trip. I get five hours of sleep a night. For what? To watch this garbage heap of a bullpen blow game after game. I am done. Let's get back to New York. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. 
Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.